Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Brokenness and pain is all I know. special guest this morning. Good job, Sam. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory Yeah. 
Back to the Lord, ask our ushers to come forward. Let's pray over it this morning. Father, we just thank you for who you are. 
Father, for what you do in our lives each and every day. We thank you that we were able to come to this place this morning to freely worship you and to honor you and glorify you in these truths of song we sang this morning, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do and this time of offering, Lord. We pray that, uh, Lord, that you would be with the gift, be with the giver. Bless these tithes and offerings this morning, Lord, that we could use them for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to honor you and to reach the lost world. Lord, that's why we're here. That's why we sing. That's why we preach. That's why we do what we do, is to reach the lost all about us, to share the love of Jesus with those that we come in contact with. It's that simple. It's just that simple. Father, go with us. I pray now for our guest who will be coming and speaking to us here in just a moment. I pray for our pastor as he comes and brings the message to us this morning, Lord. Lord, may everything honor and glorify you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Well, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Because he's good, he's worthy of our love and our affection this morning. And wasn't it great having Sam part of our worship team this morning? Wasn't that awesome to see that little guy up here? Yeah. And what's even better than that is two nights ago, Sam gave his life to Jesus. Woo! And that makes 11, 11 students in our ministry from elementary age to college age who've made decisions for Christ just this summer. So the Lord is to be praised for that. And we're reminded that we're missing a lot of our students today. They're actually traveling to East Kentucky right now as we speak. And they're ministering again uh, outside of Boonville to the Lee Rose Community Church there. I uh, got a couple of work projects this week that they're doing, also teaching and worship that we're doing for them. And so they loaded up and they headed out about 8.30 this morning. So our hearts, our prayers are with them as they travel today. And even as you came in this morning, you might have noticed something uh, out in the gathering area. Did you guys notice the Christmas tree? The, now we haven't lost our minds, right, Ms. Laura? We haven't lost our minds. There's a very specific reason as to why that Christmas tree is there. This Sunday, we're kicking off Operation Christmas in July. So if some of you have been here for a while, you know in July, we begin to collect items that go in our Operation Christmas child boxes. So today, the Christmas tree is out there just to bring awareness to this gift. Um, and so in your bulletin, you should have gotten a green sheet. If y'all will pull your green sheets out and look at that green sheet, because those are the items we need you as a church body to bring. You know, at Christmas time, if you're, it's like my family, you know, you put the Christmas tree up and then you frantically shop and you wrap the gifts and you put them under the tree. Well, we don't want you to wrap any gifts. We do want you to shop just a little bit. And as you're shopping over the next few weeks, the whole month of July, look for the items on that list. Take that as your shopping guide. I don't need any toothbrushes. If you look in the hygiene item, toothbrushes aren't listed. We have a ton of toothbrushes. Someone generously gave, so don't buy any toothbrushes, but buy soap and washcloths instead. Yeah, if, if, you, if you bring a toothbrush, we're going to send you home with four extra, okay? <laughs> Including the one you bring. We don't need any toothbrushes. But next week, there will be a big Christmas present, two big Christmas press boxes under that tree. So when you come the next few Sundays, bring a few items and put them in there. And what we'll do is we'll collect items from now until November. And in November, we'll host our annual um, packing party again where we pack these shoe boxes with all the items we've collected over the next few months. Yeah, and do you ever wonder, do you ever wonder about the children and the lives that are impacted when they receive a shoe box? A lot of times we talk about, you know, the box and what's needed in the box and the specific items that you're to bring. But do you ever wonder, wow, what kind of real impact is made when someone receives a box? Well, Miss Laura's going to tell us about that right now. This morning, we are honored at our church to have the area director, a regional director for Operation Christmas Child, 
And we also have a special guest this morning, Luis Gonzalez, if you want to come on up. He is a shoebox recipient. He's from Panama, and when he was six years old, he received one of these shoeboxes. And I think you're going to be amazed to hear his testimony this morning, that the items we're asking you to bring over the next few weeks and months, they're not just items. They are salvation. They are, they are kids around the nation right now praying in homes who need hope, who need love. And that's what this box is. It's not just a box of toys, a box of school supplies. It is the gospel. It is a gift of love. And I just pray that you'll have open hearts this morning as you listen to Luis's testimony because it is very powerful. Yeah. So let me pray for him, and then we're going we're gonna to listen to Luis. Dear God, we thank you so much for this day. God, I thank you for Operation Christmas Child. God, and I just thank you for how you use that organization to reach children around the world, God, who need to know you, you hear their prayers. God, that you are the ultimate supplier of all of our needs. And God, right now, I just pray that you move in this place. God, I pray that you just move in Louisa's heart, God, and just allow him to share, God, how you use the simple gift of a shoebox to bring him to you. Lord, we thank you for who you are and that you are so powerful, and we thank you for this time. Bless it. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor. Mm -hmm. uh, Pastor, are you okay if I use my southern accent? Oh, absolutely. Okay, you muchas gracias a todos it. por estar en este lugar. Eh, es un placer. <laughs> what did I say? You do whatever you need to do. I trust Jesus. I have a, I have a deep southern accent, y'all. <laughs> this morning I woke up. Um, I was getting ready. I had two options. I had a blue polo shirt and a red polo shirt. And I picked the, the red one because everyone here is a Uable fan. We want to get this off on a good start, okay? <laughs> just, just saying. My name is Luis Gonzalez. I'm from Panama City, Panama. I was born and raised in the slums, in the ghetto, by a single mother, a mother that was doing the best she could to provide for me and my two sisters. A mother that was destroyed, unfortunately, at the age of 15 years old. My mother was raped. That destroyed her heart. And so she, in order to escape from that situation, she had to move to the city, to this place in Tokumen, where was nothing but ghetto, poverty, people hating each other. The small house that I was living in was a small house with dirt floors, no running water, no toilet, but a little hole in the backyard for us to do our business. Poverty was really huge in my area. Education was not important, but survival was really important. So my mom, in order to feed all of us, she would work in exchange for food. She would come home and give us a piece of bread for all of us to eat. And that piece of bread was supposed to last in our stomach for three consecutive days. You as a parent, would not be happy to feed your, your children a piece of bread and supposed to last for three days. So since that was happening, my oldest sister was taken away from us because we were starving a lot. The kind of poverty I was talking about, it's a poverty where we, toothbrush didn't exist in our house. We were brushing our teeth with salt and rubbing it with our fingers. But that is what we can see on the outside. What about what mattered the most? The spiritual needs. We didn't have that. Since my mother was destroyed, she didn't want to hear anything about God. And every time somebody would come to the house and try to invite us to a church, she would slam the door right there and say, get out of my house. She didn't allow us to go to church. Unfortunately, at the age of six years old, I was begging my mother to send me to school. She said, we don't have the money. I cannot afford it. A piece of paper 
and a pencil was everything that I needed. But she didn't have the money. Again, the most important thing was something for us to eat, not education. But she said, pray. A non-believer told me to pray. And that's exactly what we did. Pray for the first time, asking God for school supplies. The very next day, we got another invitation to go to church. My mom finally said yes. We went to the church, and it was just green and red everywhere. That day, they were giving us Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. I received one. This one that you see right here is the same shoebox gift that I received when I was six years old. When I opened the lid, all of the school supplies that I needed to go to school was inside. Pencils, crayons, notebooks, and a letter that said, Jesus love you, and I love you too. That letter spoke to my heart right then. I felt love for the first time. My mother said, now I know that God is real, and he answers our prayers. Hmm. She gave her heart to Jesus right then. My mom became a believer. God has a great sense of humor, you know. The one that was slamming the door to everyone that would come to the house and preach the gospel is now a prayer warrior. And it is now going houses to houses and preaching the gospel to them because she knows that God is real and he answers our prayers. And this one over here knows from experience the impact that a shoebox gift can have on a child. So I am here to tell you that it doesn't matter if you put school supplies in here, hygiene items or toys, is going to touch a child because we believe that God can turn something ordinary like this and turn it into something extraordinary. Hmm. I don't have these school supplies anymore, but the word of God remains forever. So you and I get to do this now. We are packing two boxes and we believe that God is multiplying this. The kids are becoming disciples of God hmm. and we get to see it. So thank you so much for every shoebox gift that you packed. I ask you that you pray for every item that you put in there, even toothbrushes. <laughs> pray for those items. I pray that every shoebox gift that you packed may touch the child and that children goes back home and touches the hearts of the mom, father, and everybody in their house. I pray in the name of Jesus. Pastor, come on here. Let's pray for these two boxes that you're going to pack. Close your eyes, please. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. That as we received salvation long time ago, as you gave us the opportunity to hear the gospel, we ask that these two boxes may turn into that opportunity for children around the world. Heavenly Jesus, you know, you know their needs, you know what they're going through, you know that the school supplies, the hygiene items, and all of that may not last forever, but in the name of Jesus, that the word that they're going to hear from you may last forever, transform their life and their villages, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Wow, what a tremendous honor it is to have Luis here go in our service today and, and those in the area who are the lifeblood and heart behind Operation Christmas Child and who do what they do. We're just so blessed to, to have them with us today. And I hope that uh, you've been made to feel at home and that you have felt the love of Christ in our presence here today. And I really couldn't have planned this um, to coincide with where we are in our message series. So when things just kind of happen, 
and they kind of just like fall into place and you go, uh, Lord, I, I don't believe I could have ever begin, begin to, to plan that or to put that together. Then, then you know that, that the Spirit of God is moving and working and, and He has plans that He's accomplishing. And so today as we turn our hearts to our current message series, Family Vacay, vacating the attitudes and habits that wreck our families. We're looking in Ephesians 6 at what we would say would be the last, but certainly not the least, member of the family. And, and this specific message today from the biblical text is, is focused on children. And so um, this would be a really great opportunity if you're a kiddo in our service today, to, to really pay attention to where we are. I have actually fallen in love with the book of Ephesians this past week. Uh, every night this past week, I've been teaching at the Hill at their youth leadership camp, and I did an overview of the entire book of Ephesians. So I've come to really appreciate uh, this letter of Paul to the believers at Ephesus. And one of the heartbeats of the book of Ephesians is how that in Christ, all things come together. Uh, specifically, Paul was looking at two people groups. Uh, the Jews, the Gentiles, and how in Christ, they come together into one new man. Then from there, Paul begins to talk about how the life of Christ is to be demonstrated in this new man, the church. Then from there... He talks about the submitted life, the life that is filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's not filling in the sense of filling a glass, but it's filling in the sense of filling a sail. That the Holy Spirit moves, He directs, and He leads. And when the Holy Spirit is moving and leading and directing in the church, it spills over into the family. It spills over into how wives see their husbands, how they honor them, how they respect them, how when a wife does this, she's genuinely speaking his love language, a need to be honored, a need to be respected. And then in turn, he speaks to husbands that they are to Love their wives as Christ loved the church. And in this, a husband is speaking his wife's love language. A need to be secure. A need to be nurtured and encouraged. So that she can live in a state of rest and peace. To be all that God intended for her to be. And then God certainly does not leave out children in the home. Now, I want to say this because I know that many of us, we may be at different seasons of family life. We're all at a different place today. You might even be in a place where you're thinking, well, that part doesn't apply to me, or that part doesn't apply to me, or this doesn't apply to me. But we're all, we're all in a place where we can encourage somebody's life. We can encourage a family today. There are families around us today who need to be encouraged. Even, even when it comes to just praying and lifting up families today, all of us can do that. So, so if you want to know today, how can I pray for families? We see that in the biblical text. We even see how we can pray and encourage our children. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1... Paul includes the kids. And I want to admit to you right off the bat that I was wrong. I was terribly wrong. I remember when we had our first child, Katie Grace. And I remember when we brought her home. And we were absolutely scared to death. Uh, we thought we were going to completely mess her up. The late night feedings, listening for every cry. I mean, we, we just had this tremendous fear 
that we were just going to do everything wrong. We had this, this basic assumption that I was wrong about. I had this assumption that, God, you've given to me this child. And everything about this child is going to be formed. It's going to be shaped. Uh, it's going to be developed based on my love, my care, and my nurture. And therefore, anything that would be lacking would be because I did something wrong. Well, when Katie hit about 18 months of age, I realized that I was really wrong about thinking or seeing her as this blank sheet of paper that God just gave me and everything about her was going to be by my influence. I promise you everything about her is because of her mother, not because of me. Good and bad. Just kidding. So anyway, I remember when Katie was about 18 months old. We were doing something in the, the hallway at the house, and I gave her some kind of instruction or something. And I mean, she, she just swelled up. She bucked me, and I looked right into her eyes, and I realized right then and there, God, you've given to us a strong-willed child. That she came to us right from the factory made that way. And what God did to even prove that to me was when he sent Brady along. Because Brady was nothing like her. Brady was Mr. Rules. Mr. Compliant. Uh, he didn't want to buck the system. He wanted to do everything in order. He was, he was Mr. Rules. God showed me and taught me that when, when we have our children, there is so much already imprinted upon them. There are things about them that are formulated. And then what we get to do as parents is we guide, we nurture, we shape those things that are already given to us. I, I remember one particular time. Emily left the house, left me in charge of Katie. And there was a Kentucky ball game on. We bleed, uh, for the most part, we bleed blue for the most part. But anyway, there was a ball game that was on. And I, I kind of got into the game, and I'm watching the game, enjoying the game. And then around a commercial break or something, I, I kind of stopped, and, and I started listening for, for Katie. She'd been playing earlier, and, and it just got really quiet in the house. And when it's quiet, that's not a sign that they are sleeping, Right? It's a sign that they're probably into something. And to show you the strong-willed nature and aspect of my daughter, I began to kind of look around, and I went to the kitchen, and then I looked into the dining room, and there stood Katie at two years of age on the dining room table. And she had climbed up there, pulled herself up, and I kid you not, so determined, so determined, she had literally grabbed the chandelier that was above the table, and she had spun that around so many times that it came loose from the eye bolt that held it to the ceiling. And, when, and it fell and was being held by all of the, the safety stuff that keeps it from falling to the floor. And there she stands there on the table with this. And now I know some of you are thinking, you're pathetic. <laughs> you are, you're thinking, we're never leaving our children with Brother Allen, right? You're pathetic. But I saw something in her even then about what God had given to her to make her who she is. Good, bad, indifferent. This section of Scripture admonishes us as parents to shape, to nurture, and to guide our kiddos. But here's something else that it does. And parents, this is your opportunity to elbow your kids and say, pay attention, listen. This is actually specific instructions to children for how they are to honor and respect their parents. And we'll talk about why. We'll talk about assumptions and all of this. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Paul, not wanting to leave everyone in the family out, Already addressed husbands, he's addressed wives, husbands, and then he comes to children. And he says very simply, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, first and foremost, there's an assumption that's built into this text. And it's built into the first part of this when Paul talks about wives and their relationships to husband. He's assuming. He's assuming that first and foremost, everyone in the body of Christ understands that the Christ life in us, what it looks like in action, is us doing what we do for what others get out of it. It's called the submitted life. It's also been referred to as the principle of the cross. It's when we make decisions and choices for what somebody else gets out of those decisions and choices. It's naturally the Christ life because this is what Christ did. He lived a submitted life for what the Father and what the Spirit got out of it. And the three persons of the Trinity lived in harmony and have lived in harmony for all of eternity because their lives honored, reflected, and served the life of the other. That's an assumption in the text, that when Christ comes into your life, the Christ life is demonstrated by you and me naturally doing what we do for what others get out of it. Then it comes to the wife. And the assumption about the wife is that she can honor and respect her husband because... He's going to be loving her like Christ loves the church. And it's flipped. It's flipped back to the husband. The husband can, the husband can love his wife like Christ, uh, love his wife like Christ loves the church because she is honoring and respecting and responding to him as the church does Christ naturally, naturally, naturally. If there's ever situation of abuse, physically, verbally, if any partner or part of the family unit does not walk in a way that honors the Lord or a husband is not loving his wife, then all of these things come back to what does Christ say in our life? How do we follow Christ at all times? But the assumption in the text is that everyone in the family unit is going to be walking with the Lord. And then it comes to children. The natural assumption of the text is that parents will parent their children in a way that honors the Lord. That there's a mom, she's honoring, respecting her husband. There is a dad who is serving honoring, loving, doing what he does for what the wife gets out of it, and then under that, children come into the world. So when Paul says, children, obey your parents, it's with the assumption that your parents are leading in a way that is really in your best interest. And it's interesting that he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. Even a kid's walk with Christ. A kid's walk with God. A child's love for the Lord leads them to honor their parents. Just like a husband's love for the Lord leads him to love his wife. Just like a wife's love for the Lord leads her to honor her husband. A child's love for God is going to lead them to honor their parents. There's something else that's really important in this. And it has to do with the fact that children inherently, inherently, they need guidance. They really do. They need instruction. And they also need discipline. Now let's think about this theologically. When our children are given to us, there's so much about them that's already ingrained. 
Their DNA is already developed. So much of their personality is just going to come out. But we've got to keep in mind, too, that children are born with an Adamic nature. It is a bent towards sin. That they're going to, there's going to come a time in their life, just like Mr. Sam this week, he came to a point in his life where he needed Christ. And he prayed and he received Christ from a lost condition. Children given to us, they have that natural bent. Until they are formed in Christ, they are going to be patterned and formed in a way where they will seek ways to get their needs met on their own. So what's developed in children, we will call flesh patterns, flesh habits. When we talk about attitudes and habits that wreck families, we're probably talking about attitudes and habits that were developed very, very, very early on when children attempted to get their needs met by themselves. When they want something. How do they ask? What do they do? Do they beg? Do they whine? Do they cry? What do they do? Do they pout? When they're upset, do they clam up? Do they run off? When they're on the playground and they feel like they're not, you know, being shown respect or love, what do, they, do they bully? Do they get angry? Do they have short fuses? All of these things that are developed and happen in our lives develop when we were kids. And we can even see today that many of the challenging problems in, in home life is because many kids never did what? They've never done what? Y'all can really get on board here. They never did what? They never grew up. You know, Paul talked about the fact that when he was a kid or when he was a child, he said, I did what? I did childish things. But as I grew and I matured, I put away childish behaviors. Well, guess who is placed in children's lives for that to happen? It comes to the parents. Now, when you get to verse 3, and he says that it may be well with you that you may live long on the earth, he's actually quoting Old Testament Scripture. Some of you are looking, but wait a minute, this is, this is under the Mosaic Covenant. This is not to say that Christian families are under the Old Covenant. No, all Christian families are under the New Covenant in Christ, a covenant of grace. But here's what Paul's doing. Paul is highlighting this historical aspect of what it means to be parents and what it means for kids and how they are to be in their homes. That this is a historical perspective. In other words, it's always been God's heart. It's always been God's heart that children will grow up in a home that nurtures, guides, and instructs them in the Lord. And it's always been in God's heart that children will naturally learn how to respond to those who lead and guide them in their lives and throughout the course of their life by how they do that in their home. In fact, when you provide guidance and nurture and boundaries in your home for your kiddos, you're communicating love. You're speaking their love language. They need this in their life. And children need to be able to respond to that, respect that in their parents. In fact, the scripture tells us that if a father does not, if he does not discipline his children, then he does what? It's the antithesis of love. That he actually hates them. Very, very strong words. The scripture says that a father who does not discipline or instruct his children actually hates them. So to speak love to your kiddos is to speak instruction, nurture, guidance, discipline in the Lord. He does not highlight fathers because the role of moms is undermined or the role of moms is not appreciated in the home. That's not the point here. 
But in these housecoats of where Paul gives guidance and instruction to family members, he does something that in the ancient world you typically don't find in housecoats. He talks about the responsibility of those who might be over the household. So a lot of guys throughout the years, they read this biblical text about the role of men, and they think, oh, well, this is a role of privilege. This is a role of privilege that us guys have. No, 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 no. It is actually a role of responsibility. It's a role of responsibility. And there is a responsibility to fathers specifically in how children are to be raised. We've said from day one that the relationship between a man and a woman, husband and a wife, that is the building block for the family. The relationship between parents and children is the building block for society. Let me say that again. The relationship between a man and his wife is the building block for the family. But the relationship between the parents and the child, that's the building block for society. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? Because children are meant to be reared and to be released. God doesn't intend for them to stay in our homes. Kiddos, kiddos, kiddos. God's plan for you is to grow up. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? God's plan for you is to grow up. His plan for you is to mature. His plan for you is to one day find the love of your life and leave the house. Go. Did you know that's why Scripture, perhaps Scripture refers to children as arrows? As arrows. Scripture says that a man who has his quiver full is a blessed man. Children are a blessing and a gift from God. But they're not meant to stay in the quiver. They're meant to be released. To be sent out into the world. And to make a difference in the world. We are raising and developing future employees. We are raising future entrepreneurs. We're raising our future doctors and lawyers and people who will serve and work in our factories who sustain our economies. We are raising individuals who will go into the world and their life is to leave an imprint and to make a difference. Whatever we are living with today is a result of previous generations and the impact or the lack of impact that has been made upon families. And could it be, could it be, could it be that many of the ills and the challenges and the problems that we have in our culture today, that they're really not cultural issues, but they're family issues. They're family issues. What a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous opportunity we have in raising our children. This could almost be like a, a Father's Day message because the one thing that fathers are to avoid in verse 4 is provoking your children to anger. I'm looking around the room today. I see a lot of guys. Y'all ever get impatient? Ever get impatient? Come home, you've had a long day, it's been a hard day, got a lot of responsibilities on you. It's easy to kind of roll into the house, 
you want to kick off your shoes, take it easy, right? Kids are running around. Maybe you get a little impatient. Maybe you forget some things that are really important because when it comes to fathers provoking their children to anger, what we've got to understand is we're not perfect. And thank goodness there is a, a God who does not disappoint, right? But for our children, when it comes to their perception of what kind of God is God, we shape that. When it comes to them living a submitted life, to the authority of someone else, who sets that example? Who shows them what God is like? We as parents do that. So it's very easy to forget that sometimes children are just children. Children do childish things. We can have unrealistic expectations on our kids. And we forget that they're children. And they're maturing. And they're growing. And we can forget that, you know what? We were knuckleheads once too. And someone needed to be patient with us. And someone needed to nurture us and to guide us. Children obeying parents is a good thing. It helps them in life. But it's under the assumption. Did I hear a, I know. <laughs> did, I, did I hear that? Yes. From one of the youngest ones in the church right there. I know. We'll hold you to that, little dude. But under the assumption that parents are going to nurture and instruct them in the Lord. I want to say something. I want to speak to something that I rarely ever speak to, okay? I didn't even mention this in the first service. When it comes to the instruction and the nurture of children in the Lord, one of the greatest blessings in, the, in a child's life is the body of Christ. The relationships, the instruction, the guidance, that a church family can provide for children. My, my son Brady, for example, has so many relationships with adult men because he has been engaged with the body of Christ his entire life. Now, some of you are going with that, Brother Allen. You're the preacher. You're the preacher, yeah. Your kids didn't have a choice. The answer is, to that is, for our family, when it comes to church or connecting with the body of Christ, it was never an option. Sometimes parents will come to me and they'll say, should we make our children go to church? A lot of times my thought is, if, when, once you're there, you've got a whole lot of battles you're going to be dealing with. If you ever get to that place or that point where you are even dealing with the issue of making your children go to church or being connected with the body of Christ. I believe that fathers in leading in this way and moms in leading this way, when it comes to the body of Christ, it's just what we do. This is our life. Mom and dad needs this. You need this. The guidance instruction of the Lord. This is too big for us. But I believe that God has equipped others in the body for your growth and for your maturity. So when it comes to the body, it's just not a question about the priority or the direction of our families. This is what we do because this is who we are. And yes, there's a ton of grace that's given with that. 
But what we've got to keep in mind, last thought is this. We are literally raising the future of the body of Christ. If we do not love the body of Christ, as parents, then who's going to teach that to our children? What will be their priorities when it comes to commitments and obligations and where we invest our time and our hearts? If they do not learn that at home with us, who will teach them? This is what we do. This is who we are. And there's always opportunities and occasions to do what we need to do. But it should just ne should never be a question. It's just never a question. The body of Christ is near to our heart because of what God wants me to do in your life. So today as we stand and we wrap up our time this morning, we're going to be coming to an end to our family vacation series, vacating attitudes and habits that wreck our families. Today is almost like a Father's Day message, but really it's a Kids' Day message for children. Children, children, children. You reflect the heart of Christ when you honor and respect and obey your parents. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace to us, Lord. Father, today we pray for this body. I pray, God, that we would have a heart for you and a heart for our world and a heart for families. And Father, today we know that there are many families, even our own families, Lord, that are struggling, have great difficulty and challenge. I pray, God, that we come alongside them and love them and nurture them. I pray for us men, Lord, here in this room, that we would be the kind of men who instruct our children, who love our children, and, and nurture them after your heart, God. And Father, we would see this opportunity not just in our homes, but in the body of Christ. Because God, there's, there's moms here who are holding things together. And their children need godly relationships with other godly adults to reinforce the godly instruction that's happening at home. So Father, we continue to give you our church and our families. And Father, today we pray specifically for children. You'll help us to nurture them and mold them and shape them and that they will make a choice today to honor you by honoring mom and dad. We thank you, Father, that when we all follow your spirit, we all get our needs met. We love you. We give you this time the rest of the day we pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you've benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.